The following message, entitled, The Bigger Shovel, was given by Mark L. Trogi on July 21, 2013, at Sovereign Grace Church of Indiana, Pennsylvania. To learn more about our church, please visit sjcindianapa.org. We just feel, felt like that today would be a great day since we're, we're giving to this mission to help orphans in Uganda, that it would be a great day to talk about generous giving. So today's title is called The Bigger Shovel. And you'll understand that in a minute. The Bigger Shovel. And we're talking about generous giving this morning. And the story is told of a farmer who was known for his generous giving and whose friends could not understand how he could give so much and yet remain so prosperous. And so one day a spokesman for his friends said, we can't understand you. You give far more than any of the rest of us and yet you always seem to have more to give. And the farmer said, oh, that is easy to explain. I keep shoveling into God's bin and God keeps shoveling back into mine and God has the bigger shovel. And that's really true. In this morning's passage we're going to look at, God calls us to be generous givers. And generous giving is pleasing to Him. It advances the Gospel. And God, God for some unknown reason, takes our generous giving and heaps it back upon us. So Paul, who wrote this passage, says God has the bigger shovel. And let's look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 20. And Paul says this, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the Gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Lord, thank You for Your Word. Lord, it, it, it blesses our lives again and again. And you, 
You show us how to live so that we might experience the the riches of knowing You and Your blessings. And so, Lord, I, I pray that Your Word this morning would change us. And I pray that You would make us as a church abounding in generosity. That You would cause us to be an, an abundantly generous church, Lord. For Your glory. Lord, that You would help us to be cheerful givers. That You would help us to know the joy of giving. I just thank You, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God is telling us in this passage that generous giving to the kingdom of God and to the poor, to the needy, generous giving advances the gospel, it pleases God, and it blesses the giver. Advances the gospel, pleases God, and blesses the giver. And God, God wants us to be generous givers like He is. We sing a song called Generous King. God is, God is the ultimate in being a generous giver. It says in the Bible, God so loved the world, He gave. And what did He give? He so loved the world, He gave His most precious Son. His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. And the Bible tells us that Jesus gave Himself. He emptied Himself to make us rich. And God wants us to imitate Him in His generosity. And just as Jesus' generosity in emptying Himself resulted has resulted in millions and millions of salvations, so our giving advances the Gospel. Our generous giving pleases God, and God has, for some unknown reason, designed it that our giving will come back on our own heads to bless us. Didn't have to do that, but He did. First of all, though, we have to ask the question, whose money is it anyway? See, we tend to think of our money as our own. We say, I'm going to go to the bank and deposit my paycheck. Or we say, you know what, my finances are really tight. Or we say, I don't think that's how we should spend our money. I mean, that's just the way we talk. But in reality, our money isn't ours. It's God's. We're just stewards of it. Psalm 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything in the whole world belongs to God. Psalm 50, 10-12, God tells us, Every animal of the forest is Mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills, and the creatures of the field are Mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is Mine and all that is in it. Everything on earth, including you and me, belong to God because He created it. He, he created every atom in the universe. And so it belongs to Him. He also, if, if, if you have repented of your sins and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save you, then God doubly owns you because He bought you with the blood of Jesus. 
So He owns us. He bought you with the blood of His Son. There's, there's a church in Murraysville, and the name of the church is the Blood-Bought Church. And as I've driven past it, I've thought, that's a little bit of a strange name. Non-Christians wouldn't understand that. But for believers in Jesus, it's a good reminder that we're not our own. Jesus bought us with His blood. And all we have is a gift from God. In 1 Corinthians 4-7, Paul says, What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? What do you have that you did not receive? You may say, well, I have wealth because I worked hard for it. I took my gifts and talents, and I was diligent, and I applied myself, and I sweat, and I worked. Well, who gave you your gifts and talents? Who gave you the physical strength to work? Who gave you the ability to think? Who gave you the opportunity to have a job? Who allowed you to live in this country where there are jobs? I have a friend, I have a friend in Uganda, and he went to school to become an accountant. And after he graduated from school, he couldn't work because there were no jobs. So if you have a job, if you have the intelligence, if you have talents, if you have strength to work, it's because God gave it to you. And, and in Deuteronomy 8, 17 and 18, God says this, Beware lest you say in your heart, let, beware lest you think this, My power and the might of My hand have gotten Me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may confirm His covenant that He swore to your fathers as it is this day. It is He who gives you power to get wealth. So, if you have a salary, if you, if you have wealth, if you have money in the bank, who gave you the power to do that? God. And beware of thinking, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. So, it's not our money. God has loaned it to us. You know the house you're living in? The apartment you're living in? Well, if you, if you, own, a house, if you own a home, it's not yours. God has just loaned it to you. I don't know what that was, but... It's not your house. God loaned it to you. It's not your money. It's on loan. And God is watching us to see what we will do with His money. Did you ever think about that? God says, here's some money. I want to see what you're going to do with it. See, the thing that's liberating about this, though, as I was, as I was studying this and as I was thinking about this this week, the thing that's really liberating about this is it's easy to be generous with other people's money. You know, if, if one of you came up to me and said, you know what, I, I've come into an extra $5,000 and I want you to just take this $5,000 and give it to people in the church who really need it. It would not be hard for me. I wouldn't be thinking, oh, what if I give this to someone? I might not have enough. I'd be thinking, hey, he gave it to me, and it would be easy for me to give away somebody else's money. 
And if we think of the, our money and possessions as really belonging to God, it gets, it's, it's easier to give it away. And so the first thing we see in our passage this morning is that generous giving is motivated by love. It's not to be motivated by guilt, not to be motivated by pressure, motivated by love. And so in verse 10, Paul says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you've revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. And in verse 14, he says, it was kind of you to share my trouble. So the Philippians were concerned for Paul because they loved him. They loved him and they shared his trouble because they loved him. They didn't give to Paul out of pressure or guilt or manipulation. When we love someone, we're motivated to give to them and sacrifice for them. Most parents want to bless their children and make many sacrifices for them because they love them. It's, it's just natural. When we love someone, we, we want to give to them. It was God's love for the world that moved Him to give His only Son. And 2 Corinthians 8-9 says of Jesus, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that, that you by His poverty might become rich. For your sake... For your sake, Jesus emptied Himself. Jesus loves us. He didn't want us to perish. And so, he, out of love, motivated by love, Jesus said, I will empty Myself and become poor so that they can become rich in Me. And in 1 Corinthians 13.3, God says love has to be our motive for giving. He's, Paul says, if I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So love for God, love for others, love for Jesus, needs to be our motivation for giving. And when we love others, and when we give to others, we are loving Jesus. And this is so important to remember because we don't think of it at the time, a lot of the time. Jesus is on Judgment Day in Matthew 25-35, Jesus says this, on Judgment Day, He's going to say, He's going to divide the world into two groups of people. And he's going to say to the one group, he says, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? When do we see you thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. That, that's that's going to be incredible. Today, as we give, as we give financially to raising up hope for Uganda, 
We're doing it to Jesus. As, as these orphans in this orphanage that, that these folks are going to serve, as they receive blessing, we're not doing it just to orphans. We're doing this to Jesus. And on Judgment Day, we're going to say, Lord, when, when did we give something to You? I don't remember doing that. And He'll say, when you gave to those orphans in Uganda, you gave to Me. See, at, at times, we just, we just think, well, I'm just going to help out my brother because he's in need. Lord, I'm, just, I'm doing this to, to, to honor You. But we don't think of it as doing it to Jesus. Jesus says, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Now, we can be tempted at times to think, if I, if I give, I might not have enough for myself. You know, I've, at times I've thought that. At times I've thought, if I give to the church this month, I'm really going to be tight. If I give to the church, I, you know, I, I, I don't know where I'm going to get the money for this or whatever. And Paul makes an aside here and gives us insight into his own heart and attitude towards money. And he says this, listen Philippians, Jesus is my supply and sufficiency. And so Paul says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. Now see, we would think, hey, I want to try that abound side. You know, I, I, give me, let me test me in that. <laughs> and Paul says, even on the abounding side, even on the plenty side, what keeps him from sliding into slavery to love of money is Christ is his supply, not money. So he says, he says, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned a secret. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and not getting sucked into the love of money. And I've learned the secret of facing hunger, abundance, and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. And so he says, not that I'm speaking of being in need. In other words, he's saying, Philippians, I am so glad you're giving to me. I am so glad you've sent this gift. But I want you to know it's not because I'm, I'm speaking of being in need. He, he says, I'm, I'm doing fine. I'll be fine no matter what. I'll be fine if I don't have enough food. I'll be fine if, if people are giving me this gift. He says, Jesus is my sufficiency and supply. He says, this, this is the secret of facing hunger and need. It isn't getting money. See, we can think, I have a need. The answer is money. If I have money, I can take care of this need. And Paul says, that's not the secret. The secret, if you have a need, is finding your sufficiency and your supply in Jesus. We can say, I got a lot of money. I'm in great shape. No. The secret is knowing that Jesus is your supply. That money could be gone tomorrow. We have no security. We... We may think that this, that certain investments are solid and good and diversified and we're in good shape. It could all go down tomorrow. We have no idea. And so, Jesus is our sufficiency. So Paul says, I am so grateful for your concern. He wasn't saying, I don't care about what you're given. 
He's saying, I, I know it's because you love me and care about me, and I'm really thankful for it. And he says, I'm glad you'd share my troubles and for every gift, but he says, not because I'm in need. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But he says, I am grateful. And he says, your generosity advances the Gospel, and I'm grateful because it's going to benefit you. And so our generous giving advances the Gospel. And so he says, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the Gospel, when I left Macedonia... No church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. When Paul says, in the beginning of the Gospel, he means when I was there in the beginning of my ministry with you, Philippians, when I was sharing the Gospel with you, the good news of Jesus Christ and all that God has done to save us through Jesus from our sins. In the beginning of my ministry there, and when I left you, you entered into partnership with me. And so he says, your, your giving is partnership. He says, the Christian life isn't just about receiving, it's about giving as well. See, the Christian life isn't just about me coming in and getting all I can get out of it. He says, your partnership with me is in giving and receiving. Paul gave to them. They received. Then they gave back to Paul. And Paul says, through our partnership, I was able to advance the Gospel in other places like Thessalonica where you sent me Gifts for my needs again and again. So he says, your giving advances the Gospel. And so our giving in, in, in this church is to advance the Gospel. That's what we desire. We, we want to see more and more people come to know Jesus and be disciples. We want you to grow as disciples in Jesus. We want more and more people in this area to come to know Jesus. We want the Gospel to go to other countries. Your, your generous giving is advancing the Gospel. We're, we're able to preach the good news of Jesus Christ all by God's grace, all glory to God, to over 400 people every week, including guests and visitors every week. Recently, we've had visitors from Tennessee and Michigan. Every week, we average 120 children in Kids Cove who hear the good news of Jesus. We couldn't do that apart from your generous giving. People in other places have told me they listen to our messages online. Um, because of your giving, we have this beautiful building. We're able to serve, we were able to serve hundreds of people from our community at the 4th of July outreach. I, I, just, I love stuff like that. People are coming. They know we're a Christian church and you guys are taking free hot dogs to them and people are saying, can I pay you for these hot dogs? And you're saying, no, we're just giving these away as a gift. Well, we, we can only do that because of your generosity and your partnership. There are probably 50 people from all over the United States and other countries here at that outreach for a wedding in the building the next day who came, who they came to the outreach. It was, it was just really great. 
Today we eat pies and donate to Raising Up Hope for Uganda. It, it's, it'll not only enable these guys to go over and build bathroom facilities for an orphanage, but when they're over there, they're sharing the gospel with orphans from the streets of Kampala. So generous giving advances the gospel. But not only that, God blesses us as well. God loans us money. God gives us the money in the first place. We take God's money. We take our little peewee little shovels and we shovel a little bit back to God. And then God takes His mega shovel and shovels it back to us. And then we can keep shoveling back to God. God says, oh no, you're not going to beat me in this game. Generous giving blesses the giver. And so Paul says in verse 17, he says, Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Paul says, here's what I want you to give. I'm fine. I, I know the secret of contentment in any situation. But I want you to give because I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Paul says, I want to see the Gospel advance in our partnership. I want to see Jesus save more people. And as that Gospel fruit increases, it is to your credit. God will reward you as more and more people come to know Jesus, as more and more people are saved, and and as your giving and your partnership is part of that, God is going to count that for your credit. He'll reward you. Now when we give to the kingdom, it produces fruit, and God rewards us. Now it might be in heaven, it might be in this life, but God will reward us. It doesn't mean that if you give to your finances, that if you give a dollar, that God owes you a hundred dollars and you're going to get that back. No. You might receive it in other ways. God, God blesses in lots of other ways besides the direct way that we give. But He does. The ESV footnote for the phrase, the fruit that increases to your account says, the profit that accrues to your account. And the ESV Study Bible says it's likely that Paul is using a business metaphor. In other words, Paul is saying, you're going to profit from your generosity. This is building up your spiritual bank account. Now, many people have IRAs, individual retirement accounts. Well-known preacher Alistair Begg says every Christian should have an IEA which is an individual eternal account. And he says, that when we, he says that because when we give to the kingdom, we store up treasure in heaven. In Matthew 6, 19 and 20, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then in Matthew 19.21, Jesus says to a rich young ruler, He says, Sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. So when we give to the poor, when we give to the kingdom, we are laying up treasure in heaven in our individual eternal account. 
But God doesn't only reward us in heaven. He, he blesses our generosity in this life. And so Paul says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Paul says, God will take care of you. Anything you really need, God will supply. He'll take care of you. And it's according to the riches of His glory. Now, this verse doesn't mean that we're going to get everything we want in life. It doesn't mean that if you give to the kingdom, you can ask God for a Mercedes. Now, God may give you a Mercedes. I hope He does. But it doesn't guarantee that. What this means is God will supply everything we need to glorify Him. If we give to the kingdom of God, if we give to the poor, if we give to the Lord, God will supply, He will make sure that we always have everything we need to glorify Him in every situation we face. Does that mean that we'll never be in need? No. There was a famine in Jerusalem in the book of Acts. And Paul collected an offering for the saints in Jerusalem. They, they were probably hungry. They probably had material needs. But God will supply all we need to glorify Him in every situation. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 6 and 11, Paul says this. He says, God, God will supply. He says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. This is just a principle. If you sow, if you sow five seeds in your garden, you're not going to get as many plants out of that as if you sow 500 seeds in a garden. It's the way God has created the universe. And the same is true when we give to the Lord. He says, if we sow sparingly, we'll reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And he says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So we do not ever want to manipulate, coerce, put pressure. We want you to give freely and cheerfully at whatever you decide in your own heart. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. Notice the abounding kinds of words. God is able to make all grace, all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, He is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So what Jesus is saying here is that when we scatter our seed, when we give to the kingdom of God, God says, I'm going to multiply the amount they can give. It's, it's not just, it's not, he's not just talking about what we'll reap. He'll say, you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. But not only that, I'll increase the amount of seed you have. 
And so the more you sow, the more you take out of your bag, the more your bag starts getting heavier and heavier. And you've got to keep throwing the seed out more and more. And there's more seed in the bag after that. God says, I'm increase your seed. You'll be able to give more. You'll be able to bless more people. You'll be able to serve more. And I'll increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will have, you will have spiritual fruit in your life. And then God says, you'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So God will take whatever we give, multiply it back so that we can be even more generous. So God's will is that as we go on as a church, that we become more and more and more generous over the years. And God increases our capacity to be generous. And then He says, not only that, but it it will produce thanksgiving to God because of the people you help. I once, I once helped out this guy who wrote me a letter and said he was in need and, and he, he was from another country and I, I sent him a very small gift and he wrote back to me, Mark, I am on my knees giving thanks to God for how you've helped me. See, it says, your generosity will produce thanksgiving to God. And so when we give today to raising up hope for Uganda, when we give to any any charities like this, especially Christian charities, and, and, and people receive help, it will produce thanksgiving to God. And so people in Uganda will be giving thanks. As we saw in that video a few weeks ago, all the little orphans were saying, Thank you, Sovereign Grace! (laughs) But they were thanking God as well. Not only does God bless us, and, and, and you know what? I... I want to encourage you. Jesus saved me over 30 years ago. And for some reason, uh, He gave me faith for forgiving. And I've seen God be faithful to me and, and meet my needs over and over and over again. And there have been times that, that like I said, I, I'm tempted to think, well, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't do this. I, I might not have enough. God... God has shown Himself. I, I can tell you from personal experience that if you give to the Lord, you will not be disappointed. He will be faithful to you. But not only does God bless the giver, giving pleases God. Generous giving pleases God. And so in verse 18, Paul says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. Now listen to this. He says, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. We think, hey, that was money. That was just money. Paul says, no, it's worship. It's not just helping somebody out. It's worship. Paul calls their financial gift a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. This is Old Testament language used to describe worship. God commanded in the Old Testament 
to offer up fragrant incense to Him. And He said of their various offerings of animals, like burnt offerings, for example, He says, they would be a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And so God says, the Philippians' gifts are worship. Hebrews 13.16 says the same thing. It says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So generous giving is worship. Every bit as much as our singing on Sunday morning or praying to Him. And Jesus delights in it and accepts it. It's a fragrant offering. God says, Oh, look at them giving to the poor. Oh, that smells good. That's so pleasing to me. Oh, isn't that sweet? Oh, there's such a great... Angels, come here, smell this! Such so pleasing! See how generous. God says, look, look at that guy. He was so selfish before he was saved. Now look at him giving that away. Isn't that pleasing to you? That's worship. It's worship to God. Why is lavish giving so pleasing to God? Because it is a reflection of God's own generous, gracious nature. And God sees our motive is love. Love for Him. Love for others. That's His motive. It pleases God that we find our contentment and our satisfaction in Jesus. And when we give, when we give, it expresses our faith that God is generous and He is going to be faithful to provide for us. And faith pleases God. God says, look, look, at, look at her. She's giving away. And she doesn't know where the answer is going to come from. But she knows that I'm a generous God. It's pleasing to God. That honors Him. And so... Today, as we give, I want us to be in faith. As you're eating a pie for the glory of God, <laughs> or as you're taking a pie home with you, or as you're taking sandwiches home, or as you're, as you're just giving an offering or whatever to, to raising up hope for Uganda, or as you give to, to the church, or as you give to the kingdom of God in whatever ways you're giving, I, I want to encourage you to, to know that God is pleased I want to encourage you to do it out of a motive of love for God, love for others. I want you to do it in faith knowing that Jesus is your sufficiency and your supply in every situation. I want you to do it in faith that God will bless you back in some way. If no other way, you're storing up treasure in heaven. I want you to know that as you give, it's worship that is pleasing to God. So let's stand and let's pray. Does the band have something, Greg? Of course you guys do. We could do, we could do any of the songs we've already done. Lord, thank You for this church. I, I thank You that I'm not... I'm not trying to convince anyone against their will, Lord. I know this wonderful church loves to give and bless You, Jesus. And I've seen it. And I, I thank You for our church. I thank You for, 
for my brothers and sisters and their generosity and their the way they serve, the way they encourage, the way they do so much, Lord. And I know that this they, they please you. But Lord, we want to please you more. We want to increase. We want to just bring more worship to you. We want more thanks to arise to your name. And so, Jesus, we just ask you to uh, work in our lives. Give us increased faith, Lord Jesus, for generosity. Increase our faith for generous giving. And, and make us increasingly generous. And we thank you. Thank you that you will. In Jesus' name, amen.